Section 49 of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Mark by J. C. Ryle. Chapter 11, verses 22 to 26. Importance of Faith, Necessity of a Forgiving Spirit. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 26. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that these things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Let us learn from these words of our Lord Jesus Christ the immense importance of faith. This is a lesson which our Lord teaches first by a proverbial saying, Faith shall enable a man to accomplish works and overcome difficulties as great and formidable as the removing of a mountain and casting it into the sea. Footnote. It is clear that a promise like this of removing mountains must be taken in a figurative sense. It appears to be a proverbial expression and to be used as such by St. Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Moreover, it is a promise that must be interpreted with sober and reasonable limitations. We have no right to expect that whatever we take into our heads to ask of God shall at once be done for us, whether it be for His glory and our sanctification or not. We have no warrant for presuming that in every difficulty and trouble God will at once work a miracle and deliver us from our anxiety as soon as we make it a subject of prayer. Things about which we pray must be things having special reference to our own vocation and providential position. Moses at the head of the twelve tribes of Israel, Elijah on Mount Carmel, Paul in the Philippian prison, might confidently expect miraculous interpositions in answer to prayer, in a way that private individuals may not expect in our days. Above all, we must not think to prescribe to God the time and way in which he shall remove mountains for us. End of footnote. Afterwards, the lesson is impressed upon us still further by a general exhortation to exercise faith when we pray. What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. This promise must, of course, be taken with a reasonable qualification. It assumes that a believer will ask things which are not sinful, and which are in accordance with the will of God. When he asks such things, he may confidently believe that his prayer will be answered. To use the words of St. James, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. James chapter 1 verse 6. The faith here commended must be distinguished from that faith which is essential to justification. In principle, undoubtedly, all true faith is one and the same. It is always trust or belief. But in the object and operations of faith, there are diversities which it is useful to understand. 
Justifying faith is that act of the soul by which a man lays hold on Christ, and has peace with God. Its special object is the atonement for sin which Jesus made on the cross. The faith spoken of in the passage now before us is a grace of more general signification, the fruit and companion of justifying faith, but still not to be confounded with it. It is rather a general confidence in God's power, wisdom, and good will toward believers, and its special objects are the promises, the word, and the character of God in Christ. Confidence in God's power and will to help every believer in Christ, and in the truth of every word that God has spoken, is the great secret of success and prosperity in our religion. In fact, it is the very root of saving Christianity. By it the elders obtained a good report. He that cometh unto God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. To know the full worth of it in the sight of God, we should often study the eleventh chapter of the epistle to the Hebrews. Do we desire to grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Do we wish to make progress in our religion, and become strong Christians, and not mere babes in spiritual things? Then let us pray daily for more faith, and watch our faith with most jealous watchfulness. Here is the cornerstone of our religion. A flaw or weakness here will affect the whole condition of our inner man. According to our faith will be the degree of our peace, our hope, our joy, our decision in Christ's service, our boldness in confession, our strength in work, our patience in trial, our resignation in trouble, our sensible comfort in prayer. All, all will hinge on the proportion of our faith. Happy are they who know how to rest their whole weight continually on a covenant God, and to walk by faith, not by sight. He that believeth shall not make haste. Isaiah chapter 28 verse 16 Let us learn, for another thing, from these verses, the absolute necessity of a forgiving spirit towards others. This lesson is here taught us in a striking way. There is no immediate connection between the importance of faith, of which our Lord has just been speaking, and the subject of forgiving injuries. But the connecting link is prayer. First we are told that faith is essential to the success of our prayers. But then it is added, no prayers can be heard which do not come from a forgiving heart. When ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. The value of our prayers, we can all understand, depends exceedingly on the state of mind in which we offer them. But the point before us is one which receives far less attention than it deserves. Our prayers must not only be earnest, fervent, and sincere, and in the name of Christ, they must contain one more ingredient besides. They must come from a forgiving heart. We have no right to look for mercy if we are not ready to extend mercy to our brethren. We cannot really feel the sinfulness of the sins we ask to have pardoned if we cherish malice towards our fellow men. We must have the heart of a brother toward our neighbor on earth if we wish God to be our Father in heaven. We must not flatter ourselves that we have the spirit of adoption if we cannot bear and forbear. This is a heart-searching subject. The quantity of malice, 
bitterness, and party spirit among Christians is fearfully great. No wonder that so many prayers seem to be thrown away and unheard. It is a subject which ought to come home to all classes of Christians. All have not equal gifts of knowledge and utterance in their approaches to God, but all can forgive their fellow man. It is a subject which our Lord Jesus Christ has taken special pains to impress on our minds. He has given it a prominent place in that pattern of prayers, the Lord's Prayer. We are all familiar from our infancy with the words, Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. Well would it be for many if they would consider what these words mean. Let us leave the passage with serious self-inquiry. Do we know what it is to be of a forgiving spirit? Can we look over the injuries that we receive from time to time in this evil world? Can we pass over transgression and pardon an offense? If not, where is our Christianity? If not, why should we wonder that our souls do not prosper? Let us resolve to amend our ways in this matter. Let us determine by God's grace to forgive, even as we hope to be forgiven. This is the nearest approach we can make to the mind of Christ Jesus. This is the character which is most suitable to a poor, sinful child of Adam. God's free forgiveness of sins is our highest privilege in this world. God's free forgiveness will be our only title to eternal life in the world to come. Then let us be forgiving during the few years that we are here upon earth. Footnote. The expression, when ye stand praying, in this passage, ought not to be overlooked. It is one of those forms of speech in the Bible which ought to teach all Christians not to be dogmatical in laying down minute rules about the externals of religion, and especially about the precise manner, gesture, or posture in which a believer ought to pray. If a man is fully persuaded that he can hold closer communion with God, and pour out his heart more freely, and without distraction, in the attitude of standing than that of kneeling, I dare not tell him that he is wrong. The great point to insist on us is the absolute necessity of praying with the heart. The last words of Sir Walter Raleigh to his executioner on the scaffold are a beautiful illustration of the right view of this question. Friend, it matters little how a man's head lies, if his heart be right in the sight of God. End of footnote. End of section 49.